crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today we have a tremendous episode, tremendous conversation with Michael Libor, the founder and CEO of Insurance Gig. Now, I first met Michael went back in my trustedchoice.com days. We were doing some things uh, with Amtrust, and Michael was the head of digital distribution, uh, wore a bunch of different hats, innovation, um, was pretty much a power player in the Amtrust ecosystem, and just got to know him. Love the way he thought about the business, love the way he approached problems, love that uh, even though he was working inside a carrier at that time, he didn't accept the traditional way of business as the absolute solution and was looking for, for new methods of uh, growing both agencies and ultimately the Amtrust product. And now, as the founder and CEO of Insurance Gig, uh, he's making major moves. I mean, I, I'm gonna, I want you to listen to the episode to understand what Insurance Gig is, but uh, at a high level, um, and, and, and this is kind of a broad sweeping stroke, Insurance Gig is the Zapier of insurance applications. So if you understand what Zapier is, a uh, one tool to connect many, then you understand what Michael is trying to do in Insurance Gig is provide uh, insure tech, carriers, lead distribution, data sources with a single API connection that anyone can connect into Insurance Gig and get the resources from all those products. It's a big idea, but it's also an important idea, and I think Michael's the guy to get it done. Before we get there, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Tarmica, T-A-R-M-I-K-A.com. That's T-A-R-M-I-K-A. Guys, if you're not using Tarmica to comparatively rate your small business insurance uh, customers, both in new business uh, situations as well as, and this is one of the really under underutilized aspects of Tarmica, your renewals, right? We always say, you know, small business is unprofitable because when it comes to renewal, you know, what do I make on a $1,200 bot that I have to rewrite to another carrier? Well, I get it. Like rewrite a ton of small business at rogue risk. Tarmica makes that process easy when it's necessary. So go to T-A-R-M-I-K-A.com, sign up for a demo, learn about the tool. My friends, you are going to be happy that you did. With that, Let's get on to Michael Libor. Good morning. What's going on? How are you? I'm good, man. Just got back from the gym, getting my protein shake on, you know? I just started doing that. Actually doing a meal replacement, a couple of meal replacements. Need to lose like 20 pounds. Yeah, I, um, I... In 2017, when I put on Elevate 2017, I weighed 212 pounds. Wow. How tall are you? Six foot three, four, somewhere around there. Holy shit, you're huge. So did the conference. And at the end of the conference, I was physically toasted. Like I literally couldn't even stand. Like I was just, just absolutely whooped. And... I just said to myself, like, I can't have this happen again. Like I need to be able to rock out a conference and not get to the end of it and just be physically exhausted. So I completely changed my diet, <clears throat> went on an anti-inflammatory diet. I wrote a lot about it, talked about it on like different podcasts and stuff back then when I was like super into it and uh, dropped down to 190, got all the way down to 190. 
And um, the difference was, and this is, I say this all the time, your, your physical fitness is a competitive advantage in business. Like I can go all day long from start to finish of a conference, get to 10 PM. Everyone else is like barely standing and I'm still feeling good. You know what I mean? Cause like my physical fitness was in a place where I could have a thousand conversations, you know, mentally you get a little wiped, but physically, you know, was still there. And so ever since then I've taken fitness and diet fairly seriously. You know, I, that's super interesting. So like I, I go to these, I, I live for these uh, like trade shows and events and I don't eat a blessed thing the entire day. Like not one calorie. I'll have a couple of cups of coffee, A, because of kosher food, B, I just like, I never have time to sit and eat and uh, I, I can go the whole day. Uh, but, you know, I definitely, I crash at night, but this time I brought a couple of protein shakes. Uh, I bought a couple of cars. They're awesome. Uh, it tastes like Nestle quick and, uh, you know, having them as a meal replacement. I, I got a, I hit like over 190 and I'm five foot seven, dude, you, you've got a foot on me. Yeah. Um, and I, I should weigh 150. I just got down to 170 this morning. Nice. Uh, so I, I, but I can't lose like, uh, I stopped drinking, uh, for the month. So we'll see if I can keep that going. Yeah. The alcohol is a big part of it, but it's more, do you track your macros? Do you. Counter. I don't even know. No, I don't. So in my opinion, the only way that I've ever been able to consistently lose weight and keep my weight off is if I am regularly, meaning six days a week, tracking my macronutrient intake. It's the, it's the only way. Because what happens is you don't realize you think you're having a serving of rice, let's say. But really, you're, you know, in American portions, you're having three servings of rice right. or, or whatever. Right. And, you know, you look at the box and you're like, oh, this is great. You know, brown rice, 17, gram, 17 grams of carbs or whatever. No big deal. And you don't realize three, four servings is what you actually intake. And now right. you're at 60, 70 grams. Right. And that's half of what you should be eating for your day. And you just had it in one meal. And um, that's where we get, as Americans, our portion size is so big, like, you know, traditionally that that's where you get crushed is in portion size. So just, yeah, I gotta, I gotta figure something out. I, I did uh, a Porter got me to do like one of those water fasts uh, where okay. I drank only water for five days, which was the hardest physical thing I've ever had to do. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of cool. I've but, never uh, done more than a 16 hour fast. I've never done a full 24 hours or anything longer than that. I want to, but at the same time, I work out basically seven days a week doing something physical, not always lifting or whatever. And like to work out when you're fasted like that, I don't know. No, you can't do it. Yeah. So. Okay. But, let's chat. Uh, let's chat some insurance. Yeah. Yeah, for, yeah. Yeah. So, so thanks for accommodating the time. Oh yeah. I, yeah I no problem, man. Look, we're both busy. I get it. I've been doing podcasting for a long time and having a couple of misconnections is, uh, Far from offensive to me in, in any regard, since we were both, I think I was guilty twice. You were guilty. Who the hell knows? So, um, yeah. so dude, insurance gig, uh, everybody listening has probably started to hear the name, starting to bounce around the industry a little bit. What's the 411? Give us the, give us the 10,000 foot. We'll start there and then we'll start to dig into you and, and, and go from, go from where we go. But, but just let's kick it off with 
what the heck is insurance gig? What problem are you trying to solve? You know, what's the, what's the pitch? What's the elevator pitch? So at the highest level, insurance gig is an app store. I think uh, having given a thousand plus demos, what I find the message that seems to resonate the most is think about you using your iPhone. You've got scores of apps on your phone. You've got Waze, you've got Uber, uh, you've got Lyft, you've got Robinhood. Uh, I can go through the list. So to use Uber as an example, you as a consumer did not go on to a limo platform. You did not integrate with a limo company. You did not reach out to dispatch to work out your data dictionary and how to integrate. Apple created this platform for you. Uh, they created it through their app store using their phone as this kind of piece of hardware or platform. And you as a buyer of technology are accessing a whole library of open source apps that the creative community has presented to Apple, right? That's how it works. We've just done the same thing for InsureTech. What we've done is we've created this platform. It's completely open and it takes the form of an app market, we call it, where I've got a library of different InsureTechs that are there across the entire gamut. People very often get hung up on, is it only submission type, you know, with comp raters? Or is it data? It's all of the above. Just like Apple has this array of different types of apps from Candy Crush to, uh, you know, to ride sharing. We are completely open uh, across the entire spectrum and vendors could come list their service on our app market. And we make it very available to buyers of InsureTech. And there are a couple of nuances that make it really quite unique, which I can get into, but at the high level, uh, insurance gig is an InsureTech app store um so one of the one of the things that i know a lot of people struggle with is is I, it, this is going to sound weird but like the concept of data right so you what you're when when you first described insurance gig to me however many months ago it was or whenever it was a year ago whatever it was um you know i i i kind of said so is it like zappier for insurance and you said yes and but probably more right more and which yeah. which makes which makes sense to me now kind of seeing how you're evolving and um it's much more it's data connection but also app store which i which is which makes it more um like where data in general seems to confuse people with its actual value right in terms of we understand that data exists we understand that people have data we understand that being able to get data from app to app is important. At what level does prioritizing the push of data across apps, across you know different different pieces of technology that we use? Like, I see some people getting lost in it. It's, they're spending all their time in data, and they're not actually doing their job as an agency owner. Like, they're 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 chasing data. Like. What is the sweet spot between solid usage of data and just data for data's sake? Like if you, you know, I know that's kind of a, a, a theoretical question, but this is what I always get. Like, okay, it does data. Great. So does my agency management system. What does that mean? Well, you know, this, you know, where does data start to add value? Like what should, a, what should, what should we starting to think about with data that adds value to, 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 to users? So, you know, you're definitely like leading up to or you're feeding me a softball question. I know it wasn't intended to be a softball, but that's like so uh, on point with kind of the, the thesis of what insurance gig is. Uh, I'll say it like this. 
because uh, there's so many ways to go with that, right? Uh, if you look at yourself as a company or somebody in the insurance technology business, data is either one of two things to you. It's either a weapon or it's a liability. Uh, I, I don't see, or I have yet to see really anyone in the middle where it's kind of like they're making a little bit of use of it and it's helping. Uh, it's either people don't have a handle on their data and it's a liability or there are people that are so far ahead of everyone else and they're using it for uh, better outcomes, better expenses, uh, better underwriting. Uh, so, you know, that's how I would look at it. The challenge is we live in this Babel-esque type vertical where no systems talk to each other. So uh, like Ryan, can I share a screen? Is that something I could do on in this you format? Can share a screen. No one will be able to see it but me, but you can share a screen. Okay, so uh, it's, it's something if, if you want, I'd love to be the first guinea pig. I don't know if you're able to like weave in, uh, you know, screen sharing, but I'll, I, I wanna show you something cool. Yeah. When, here, I'm gonna share my screen. Check this out. When somebody comes to insurance gig, okay, and I, I love using uh, Relativity Six as an example. It's just it's they're they have a superpower. They're incredibly good at what they do, uh, and it's not this like uber complex uh, workflow where they are really good at providing NAICS data and NCCI data, and it's something that whether you're an MGA or you're a carrier, this a small commercial, whether it's uh, GL or work comp. So Relativity 6 comes to the app store. The first thing they do is they list their API with us. Now, we don't want to be just a Craigslist of API listings. That's not valuable. But what the first thing that we do when a partner comes to us is we actually map their data header to ours. So think of like what we're building, just one partner at a time is this kind of like data alliance where this is Relativity 6 posts. They're saying, send me address, city, state, zip, unit, and company name, and this is what they'll spit back, these four pieces of data. But what happens if he calls it company name, but my column header when I set up my database was company underscore name, and you use an AMS who calls it company dash name. We're all working with the same data, but our data headers are different, and we don't communicate and we don't talk to each other. So what we've done is, and this is just like a mock-up of one of our internal screens, but just to show you, when the first time a partner comes to us, we do this one-to-one -one data mapping. Now, when people hear about, oh, a new partnership and doing a data mapping, they start freaking out and saying, well, we're a carrier, we're an MGA, we have 82,000 data fields across 38 lines of business, and we have 17 uh, carrier internal you know, writing entities or companies that we work with. My data dictionary is vast. And we kind of like try to say like, let's take a step back. Let's just do this one microservice at a time, okay? I just showed you that one uh, service to get NAICS from one of our vendors. I mapped his six data fields and the four that he sends back. That was a mapping that one time, 10 fields, and now anytime I need to work with that partner, I have his data mapped. So I know I'm monologuing a bit. No, you're uh, great. Uh, I, I wanna give you an example that really, people really seem to like. Think about the United Nations, right? You've got 80 people sitting in the same room. No two people speak the same language. 
but they communicate and collaborate in real time. So the thing that makes that happen is the fact that everything is translated from its origin language to English and then to the destination language. They do not do 80 to the 79 factorial of language combos. That would be untenable. But that untenable nature is kind of the way that we do it within InsureTech, where every two parties that work together have to build their own connection to each other. And it's incredibly inefficient. So what we've done is we've said, kind of like, just put us in the middle. We don't want any money for it. We're building it out. So it's really programmatic and scalable where you could just come upload your API. We will auto identify the data headers. We use AI to do a, a mapping that we think uh, agency name compares to your agency dot name. We have a human come check it. Uh, but now I speak your language. I have this like Google translate service between me and you uh, for these data headers. So that's like the first fundamental thing that we're doing. So now if you think across the insurance supply chain, AMSs to wholesalers, to MGA systems, to carrier portals, to core systems, to TPA systems, to claims, these are all siloed systems and none of them talk to each other. And each integration is a one-to-one. -one. We're trying to break that down. So I'll shut up, but that's like the first core element of what we do. So essentially insurance gig is the, it's the, data it's the universal data currency of the insurance industry like essentially this is the this is the language that everything is translated into to then be translated into whatever wherever it needs to go like this is the the english in your in your example basically what you're saying is what insurance gigs mapping is the is the english of how the united nations translates between all the different the different languages yeah so what i would say is i want to be very careful with my words i would say it can be. I would say we hope for it to be. It doesn't have to be. We're not trying to build this platform where I have to have 72.9% market coverage in order for it to be relevant to everyone. You know, that's where like this market effect comes in. We're just working organically one partner at a time. We're because when I get to the second fundamental point, you'll see what the driver is. Like I, the data is this massive problem. Uh, and we have a solution for it, but that's kind of not uh, how we're getting our foot in the door. Uh, we're getting yeah. our foot in the door when it comes to the pricing model, which we think we've come up with a whole new way to price in short tech. And people are, I know this is self-serving for me to say, but they're going crazy for how we've broken it out. So when they come into us for the pricing and we have this kind of organic mapping where I could say, hey, anybody that I'm connected to like you remember that game, like Kevin Bacon, six degrees with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one degree of insurance gig. If you're integrated with insurance gig, anybody else that's integrated with insurance gig, you can now speak to each other. I love it. So one thing I'll say is you can be as self aggrandizing as you want on this show, because we're not unbiased. We allow you to be biased on this show. So you can well, say whatever you want about yourself. So go crazy. Uh, no, dude, I absolutely will, love this because this is this is the thing with, again, when we originally talked and I had mentioned Zapier because that, that has uh, a similar concept, the problem always being most, in, it's not prioritized by anyone in our space because, uh, you know, the idea of marketing and data connection and stuff is so foreign. So and every and and so what you end up getting is all these hacked connections that break every every five days, and it's never really what you want, and it, and it's a pain in the butt. So 
what you're saying is say my um say my raider integrates with insurance gig and my ams integrates with insurance gig just just talking tools that a lot of agents will understand but they don't talk to each other which has always been something that grinds your gears right now because they both connect to insurance gig i can say hey I don't care if they ever actually integrate. It'd be great if they did, but if they don't, it doesn't matter because now I can use insurance gig to bridge the data from my Raider to my AMS and vice versa because there's this universal language that they use to, to, to connect the two. So the answer is, yeah. Uh, let me show you, and I, I know that the audience isn't seeing this, and Ryan, if you're inclined, I'm happy to work with you offline. I'll have maybe my editing team take the footage and insert some video to you know, to give that visual effect, if you're, again, but uh, this is your show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so th this is something that uh, I'll show you very quickly. Uh, we just went live. This is the Hawksoft AMS. And when the agent is in the AMS, there's an insurance gig button. And when they click that button, we pull all the data out of the AMS and we actually send it to the comp raters. So we have the ability to send it to right now. We're, uh, we're announcing it, uh, I believe this week, uh, we're connected to Talage and SEMC. So two of the premier uh, comp raters. So we can now give the agent a full comp rating experience without leaving the AMS because we do the behind the scenes work. We take the submission data, we then, uh, Talage and SEMC go to their carrier panels, get the quotes, and then we could take it and put it back into the AMS. So we actually went live uh, with Hawksoft. Uh, I think it was last week was the first uh, live production. So it's kind of game changing on a couple of levels. One is quoting in the AMS, which uh, is really uh, quite powerful. That's where the agents want to do it, but it's the concept of just this data in and out that we could take it. Uh, can I show you one other cool thing that we do? You can show me anything you want. Check this out. Now I'm jumping around a bit and this might get confusing, especially since I haven't even gone into like two or three of the core, you know, value props of what insurance gig is. Yeah, we'll get there. But, but check this out. You're an agent using AMS 360. Here's the Boynton Beach construction, right? You see the, uh, the name of the risk? Insurance gig built a Chrome extension, which is basically meant to be this gateway in and out of all of our backend APIs. So now the agent is in the record and they see they're missing certain data. Like I wanna submit this, I don't have the NAICS yet. And I know that the carrier, if they don't have the NAICS, they're gonna have to go get it and it's gonna add three days to the quote. If the agent hits our Chrome extension, we pull the data via API out of the AMS. So you see here, I just pulled Boynton Beach construction right here. When the Asian clicks fill the NAICS button, I API to multiple vendors, Relativity 6 and Neural Metrics. I pull the data and I populated back into the AMS. The agent never left the AMS. And we were able to go with third-party APIs. They didn't have to go do a separate login. They didn't have to go to three different systems. We're consolidating all these third-party services that agents want or need, and we're serving them where they want to be. So, but I love that. I think that's a killer, and it's anything. It doesn't have to be NAICS. It could be any type of data. It could be quoting. 
Uh, it could be uh, scanning. Uh, we do some killer work with Sensible. They're amazing at basically what Insurance Geek is trying to do is find the best partners and expose their superpowers as a microservice. Uh, you know, there are tons of these amazing companies out there, these huge core policy systems without mentioning any names. They're meant as like big boy tech. Uh, and I say that where like, you know, only people with massive budgets could afford it. Uh, but also it's kind of like this all or nothing type thing where you have to buy this whole suite. Uh, people just want microservices. I want that and only that. And that, that was kind of like the, the origin story to insurance gig where I wanted yeah. certain tech, but I only wanted that tech. I didn't want the whole suite. I didn't want the whole SaaS platform. I just wanted to get the NAICS code. How do I do that? So here, let me show you one other thing that is like really, that's the core of what we do. It's yeah. really, if I had to break it down to one tweet, which I'm self-admittedly not really good at uh, being, mm -hmm. uh, being concise. So the main driving point that I found that was the biggest friction to buying technology, it just came down to money. It came down to the buyers of InsureTech, whether they're at carriers or at MGAs or wholesalers or even you know, the mom and pop retail. People do not wanna spend big dollars and make big investments before they're 100% certain it's going to work. So even if you go to POCs, unless I know I'm going to get a 10x ROI in premium or a 10x cost savings in CapEx, I'm very reluctant to drop $50,000, on a proof of concept, even though that's really what the proof of concept is supposed to be, because nobody wants to go to the budget meeting at the end of the quarter and get screamed at, why did you spend 100 grand on this tech? I don't see the results yet. So what we've done and the question that I love to ask is, Ryan, you have an Uber account, I assume, right? Yes, I do. When you signed up to Uber, if Uber would have said to you, prepay $15,000 and leave it on account, and you'll have a, a balance, and every $13 ride that you take, we will take off of your balance. Would you have signed up to Uber? No. No. But that's the only paradigm in which to buy InsureTech. You have to make big bets. You have to put up big dollars. And you have to kind of hope it works. Now, there's amazing tech out there. Amazing. And we're just trying to give these vendors a different medium platform to, and a whole different audience, to be quite frank, to sell their tech. So what we do, like the one rule of insurance gig, is transactional pricing. Every creator comes to us, and they, in minutes, they could list their service. In minutes, we could ingest their API. And then they give us their own pricing model, but it must be per transaction. It's per event in the runtime. So if right here, Relativity 6, uh, I'm just making up a number here, they want 50 cents per data call. If you as an agent want that data, if you sign up to me, I have your credit card on file. And if you use their service once, I'm going to charge you 50 cents. I collect that 50 cents and I give 85% of it to the creator. That's our model. We're just like the App Store. You want to buy $100 worth of Candy Crush credits, Apple's going to bill that money and they're going to pay the, the gaming company 85 cents. I know there's lawsuits around how much it is. You know, please don't take me too literally, but that, that's, the, that's the structure of what we do and how we make money. So just to recap, you've got that translation layer, which allows us to all talk together, which is really new. You've got this innovative especially for enterprise payment structure, which now like, here's the value prop, here's the sales pitch, go to any buyer, hey, try something out before you make this huge commitment. I have certain carriers that have said to me, 
Do you mean to tell me I could put $500 on my corporate card, try out a vendor, see if it works, and then go back to my boss and show him, hey, I have results and I only spent 500 bucks? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Uh, and let me just show you one more thing and it'll all come together. Are you familiar on your phone? Apple has this thing called shortcuts. You ever yeah. use it? So I'd say a third of the people that I come across because I bring it up often know what shortcuts is. So for those who don't, I'll just, I'll, I'll repeat it quickly. Shortcuts is this amazing tool. That's an app that's created by Apple. You have to download it. And basically what it allows you to do, it allows you to string together the different apps in your phone. So what you could say is, hey, in the morning, I want you to check the weather app. If it's raining, call an Uber for me early. When I hit the Brooklyn Bridge, hit the Starbucks app and order my coffee. And when Uber sends me my ride ended notification, send an SMS to my next meeting, let them know I'm on my way. You can do that. And you don't have to have this huge engineering team. It's kind of like Zapier or if this, then that, but specifically for the Apple App Store. We've built that for InsureTech. So what this allows you to do is you could say, hey, I need to scan a document. And let's say you wanna scan an accord form. We scan it, but it has seven pieces of data on it. And in order to send it to Talad or to Semsi, you need eight pieces of data. So I scan it, I'm missing data. I then send it to Relativity6, who enriches it with the missing eighth piece of data. It comes back to insurance gig. Then I send it to the comp rating platforms who then get quotes, those come back to me, and then I could send it back to the submitting broker. So what I could do is I could bundle and cluster different microservices and superpowers from different vendors with no end. There's an infinite, and I'm being super clear, an infinite amount of possibilities of different recipes or bundles that we could create with the inventory of uh, vendors and tech that we already have. There's no end to what you can imagine. And everybody's got something unique. And the fact that we could do that in minutes, like literally minutes, where the current paradigm is it's impossible to do. Could you imagine, Ryan, getting on a tech kickoff call with three parties and saying, okay, what's the cadence? How are we going to have a weekly call? What are you going to do? Like getting three partners to work together is virtually impossible. The, the company, the buyer has to do their own orchestration internally. We've completely flipped that script. What's up, guys? Quick break here. Want to give a shout out to Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. That's your need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With MBS, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business. Sorry, sometimes when you're reading these things, the way the words are written don't sound as good as they probably look. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information, go to Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Visit nbsbrokerage.com. On the reels, guys, Rogue Risk uses Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. We've been very, very happy with them. Hanley out. So for you guys listening at home, if you know you you can't see the the screen and everything that's going on, one one of the things that I you know just just from a pure usability standpoint, and and we track this a lot uh, at Rogue Risk because we're fully remote, so um, you know we're not punching time cards or when does Sally or Johnny walk in the office or whatever. I look at the 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 
the time that people spend on things, on tasks. Not necessarily, I'm not tracking call times and stuff like that, because obviously I've talked a little bit about my philosophy on call times. And, um, but when someone has to do a task, one of the things we're tracking is how many tabs do they have to open? How many services do they have to log into, right? Like, uh, I think what I've always uh, been intrigued by with insurance gig is that the, the logins, especially now that multi-factor authentication MFA is a thing and everyone's all MFA, MFA. It's like, well, you're, you're the fact that I have to log into your system as a separate tab from systems we use most often and then double authenticate factor in because it's 15 days from my last login or now I just don't, that time we just stopped using that service. And what I've found is that people in my office have built their own workarounds because they don't want to log into these separate systems. So they're actually creating, you know, we had someone create their own uh, fillable Adobe. We don't even have an Adobe subscription, what we do now, but we didn't at the time. Adobe fillable PDF because they didn't want to, you know, they were like, it was a workaround to get out of having to log into different systems. So when I'm looking at you in AMS 360, um, you know, click a button here, push this information there. Now, all of a sudden, I, I haven't, you didn't leave the tab. You, you stayed right on the AMS 360 tab and boom, all of a sudden that information is in the system. And now I can push that right out to get a quote or whatever. That, that time savings, that workflow savings is, is not just important from a pure time perspective, but something that I think is a, a, a vastly under talked about cultural aspect of all our businesses, which is like tool fatigue, right? Our, our teammates get fatigue from logging in and out of different systems from, you know, I'm in this for my AMS and I'm in this for rating and I'm in this for accords and I'm in this for, you know, NACS codes and I'm in this to get email addresses. And all of a sudden people's brains like start to come out their ears. And what I'm seeing here is, I can hit one service and what insurance gig does then is, is actually do all that work for me. Instead of me having to go to relatively six login and find the NACE codes, it's being pulled in. Instead of me having to go out to Talage and, and get a rate and pull it back, although we do use Tarmica, um, you know, it, it does that. And now I'm not getting as a user or as a teammate of a company, I'm not getting this tool fatigue because this system is actually doing that work for us and pulling the data in. And now what I'm thinking about is how am I going to position the results in order to help solve this person's problem, which is what our people should be thinking about. Not, well, I used my dog's middle name last time for this login. And now I got to switch it to my second child's, you know, uh, middle name in order to get my login into this system, which just breaks people's brains. Yeah. So you, you've just put down so many different things. I'm not sure which one to pick up first. Uh, the, the way that we like to frame it is, you know, we're not replacing the AMS. We're not replacing the core policy system, but we really think that we're going to be this really valuable, accretive, secondary layer on top of them where, you know, you mentioned logins and passwords. Uh, we spent a lot of time and energy on being able to use OAuth or SSO to take the credentials from whatever system you use most and use the, use that to log into insurance gig, just like you could use, you know, Facebook or Google. Uh, so we are building that because the end of the day, like our main drive is just to make this 
as easy as possible, as cheap and fast and de-risk. Uh, so you think about you know, that fatigue, think about how much worse that fatigue is when you're actually paying a lot of money for these systems that, that are a pain to use or you might not use at all. Uh, that's where it becomes painful beyond fatigue. Uh, so we really do think that uh, this that insurance gig presents a solution to be able to think of us as the last integration, not the last platform, but the last integration you're ever going to need. You know, we have carriers that are saying to us, and this was not our model when we set out, do you mean to tell me I could use you as my compliance hub? Uh, let me let insurance gig go through your compliance rubric or crucible. Uh, and then if other vendors come to them, let me kind of do that. And then I'm not 100% saying that's something that we want to do time in, time out, because there's like a huge liability there. But we're that central point of integration. And also think about this, Ryan. When I showed you before the submission, let's, let's assume that this is a 1-1 work comp, okay? So the quote comes from Hawksoft to me to a comparator. I get the quotes. It comes back to me, and I put it back in the AMS. And I've got Tony's Pizza Shop sitting there on January 1st. On March 1st, I wanna be super clear about this, with the agent's permission, cause it's the agent's data, right? So with the agent's permission, I could say, hey, Tony, it's March 1st now. Can I go to a premium audit company that's pre-integrated with us and see if I can get you uh, audit results? Uh, can I go to a loss control company? Can I go to a data science as a service vendor? I already have the data. I am integrated with those companies. There is zero additional work that you need to do. Look at what I have for you. And the, the creators are super excited to you know, give it like a freemium or a freebie to say, hey, the last hundred uh, submissions you did, here's a better underwriting insight or here's an upsell cross-sell opportunity with zero. And I mean, zero additional work on the buyer side because I'm this very efficient integration layer. I have all those connections. I've done those integrations. Hmm. I like it. I like it. So um, are you seeing, so obviously you've talked a little bit about carriers starting to become interested. Um, what are some of the, I mean, so obviously some of the straight insure tech kind of value added service providers like a Talage, like a relatively six, those seem like, um, a lot of early wins, early adopters of this. Have the carriers started to, to, to see this as a potential to give agents access directly into their systems? Like, could you, have, have they started to open up that far? Are they sniffing around? Or is it still going to have to be um, through, through comparative raters? Is, is that kind of step one is comparative raters? Or do you think eventually I'd be able to go to say a a Hanover or a Chubb or someone and say, Hey, like if you guys are on insurance gig, then we could push, we could push quotes directly into your system um, right from ours using this, you know, without having to do the, you know, what is it? 150, $250,000 plus build to, to, to get that kind of integration. Yeah. So the, the way that I would answer it is if you look at all the different comp rater or carrier integration solutions that are out there. And, uh, you know, we're working very closely with a bunch of them, but, you know, I'll mention just three, you know, Talit, Shemsi, and iBind, right? They're amazing at what they do. And Ryan, you know that my job when I was back at the carrier, 
excuse me, was I oversaw the API integrations. So one thing I'll mention, you know, when you talk about being efficient, we, when I left, I think we had 130 different integrations. Some were with comp raters, some were with wholesalers and MGAs directly, but I'd say a hundred of them, we had to do the exact same thing. It was like an identical redundant piece of work. And that was kind of part of what prompted me to think about insurance gig is how do I not build the same thing 130 times? Uh, same thing here. If tech exists out there, uh, I don't want to have to build it. So I am not in that last mile business. I am not looking to go integrate directly with carriers. Talid, Shemsi, and iBind are awesome at that. Let them do that. So think of me like kind of like this digital Switzerland in between them, where Talij, let's say, has 30 carriers, Semsi has 30 carriers, and I'm making this up. They've got 15 in common, but they each have 15 unique. Uh, how do those guys work and trade with each other? And we're starting to see you know, some of that you know, come to be. Uh, but again, Ryan, if you think about Amazon has categories, uh, and this is back to your original question, where they have clothing, electronics, and books, Insurance gig has categories. We have data, just pure data. I can get COPE, I can get NAICS, I can get crime score, I can get flood data. Uh, and we could enrich it. We have operational workflows like scanning and RPA and uh, data normalization and things like that. But we also have a category, which is submissions, where we could work from the distribution side, data could come to us, and then we could help like think of us almost like air traffic control where, you know, does the agent want it to go to Talage? Does they want to go to SEMSI? Do they want it to go to AmTrust? Or does me, or maybe do we, are they trusting us to help them find the markets and the access? Now, back to your question with carriers. Yeah, carriers are definitely thinking on the submission line, but what about a carrier as a buyer? What about, what if a carrier needs to get, like I know when I was at the carrier, they had underwriters going to websites and looking for pictures of ladders. That's something that a piece of AI could do very easily and inexpensively today. It couldn't three, four years ago, but how do I get that little service from this vendor that I know into the carrier stack without them having to go through an 18 month onboarding process just for that one piece of tech? How do I help them A-B test the two vendors that do that to see which one is better for their use case, which one's cheaper, which one's more accurate? How do I help them build workflows to say, well, now that I saw there's a picture of ladder, let me trigger uh, a secondary, uh, whether it might be a form or questionnaire, or let me refer it to somebody else who would do something with ladders. So there, again, there's no end to the workflows. And in terms of the value that we bring, it's not just submission oriented, it's we're completely open source between buyers of insure tech and sellers of insure tech across all lines of business. We're right now being very focused on uh, PNC because uh, that's uh, you know where I learned and I developed my relationships. But we have people calling us saying, have you launched yet for employee benefits? Have you launched yet for A&H? And Ryan, you know me, it kills me to say no. Yeah. And, and for those who know me, you know, trying to be focused is a struggle, uh, but we're trying to be very focused. And you know, Ryan, we launched a month ago. Uh, we've made a lot of noise and people are talking about us, but we, we, we went live a month ago. So we're trying to balance the create the demand and like you talk about like we're seeing amazing demand because it's a no brainer. Try it. No long term commitment. No long term contracts. Pay as you use it. And if you don't like it, stop. Yeah. Like, I've tried to take all the friction and risk out of the tech process and insurance. 
The, yeah, another concept that I love that you brought up is is the idea of being able to test some of these services. You know that that is the part. Like, um, there's a couple tools that we've kind of had and that are in our roadmap that we haven't implemented because, you know, the upfront cost to will it work or not, we just haven't been, you know, we haven't been willing to do that. You know, and I look at things like like uh, Zywave where one of the so we subscribe to three Zywave services. One of those services I use almost daily. The other two, I don't know that I've used in the three-year contract that we have. Zywave won't let us out of the contract because they're, you know, it not particularly. That's, that's a, the business, that's the business that they're in. They're, yeah. The know, business and, model is, you know, lock you up and, you know, never use their product again and tell everyone how much you hate them for their, their draconian practices. But, you know, the idea of, I wish I could have tested all three tools and said, oh, you know what? Now that I'm testing them, these two I don't really want. This one I love. I'd like to just use this one. I would have saved myself thousands of dollars or saved the business thousands of dollars. And that type of, that I think that ability to, I will say, tiptoe into a service or test a service, I think will help a lot of people who would love to have, add features to their agency, to their carrier, to whatever they're trying to do. But like you said, don't, don't want to, you know, they're, they're worried about kind of sunk cost and, and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it opens up a world to, to really be, to, to really try things out and see, see what kind of things you need. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I don't think that the only reason why I should be paying a software solution provider is because uh, I contractually entered into it, even though it's not useful for me and I'm still writing out checks. And I have that right now with a company that we work with, that they're amazing at what they do. I mean, I highly recommend them as a company, but they weren't for me. I made a, a bad decision very early on uh, that I thought I would need it and ends up I didn't. I'm you know, still paying that contract, even though I don't need it and that drives me nuts. And so here uh, I'm showing you a screen. And for those who can imagine, I had a top 100 broker came to us and said, we want to buy data from a particular partner. I'm not going to mention the name, but they wanted to buy data. And they were talking to two or three very well-known entities that are amazing at what they do. We work with them and we partner with them. But this company said, I am not prepared to pay $100,000 for a, a contract or for a POC, especially these companies are amazing, but it's an only an 80% solution of what we need. So I'm going to have to now go fill in that gap of 20% with a different partner. So now I need two. So they came to us and said, and I'm, I'm showing you a couple of things here. One is insurance gig. Can you go get us this transactional pricing from these vendors? which we did, the vendors uh, were very open to it and we're finding that most are. And, but look what happened. I went to that top 100 broker and I said, okay, I got you the pricing you wanted. Here are the results that you want. Here's my API, consume it. And they looked at me like I'm from Mars. So Ryan, when I started this, you know, we were calling ourselves an API at market. And when in the beginning, when you asked me what I did is I didn't say we're an API app market because we're not just an API app market because I realized that once you go to the top broker list and you get past the top 100, nobody's got API resources. Nobody's got uh, the infrastructure, the engineers to, to post or to consume APIs. And I said, and actually one of the guys in my team, it was kind of his brainchild is uh, we don't have a solution that will cater to that 
what I would call the lowest common denominator of your tech ability, right? So here's what we built. I'm looking at a screen right now where any CSR or any producer could type in the name of a restaurant. Okay, so remember when I, in the beginning, I showed you those six fields. Here, I have the name of the restaurant, city, state, zip, and I hit the submit button. Insurance gig went behind the scenes, hit two APIs, and I delivered the results to you in this ready to go format. So you don't need an API. And with that same login that you're coming to us, every one of my services will be available in a user experience. So it's not just this behind the scenes engineering you know, workbench, it's you know, kind of now think of Shopify on top of your system, right? So you could, you know, if you wanted to charge sales tax in New Zealand on your e-commerce store, Shopify could power that. I'm powering all these little services and I'm giving it to the agents in the easiest format. So if you have APIs, I'll meet you. If you have a data feed, I'll meet you. Or if you don't and you just want a screen where you could type things in and get the results back, we'll do that too. And Ryan, here, this is like the main point. If you go to InsureTech Connect or InsureTech Insights or any of these shows, who's there, right? You've got the enterprise sellers, the guys that are selling big tech, and you have the huge entities that are the buyers. The guy who's got, who's doing 20 million in premium has never had access to like the enterprise tech before because yeah. it wasn't worth to the sellers to sell these guys and these guys don't have the budget. I've now made all this tech available to everybody in the supply chain. I don't care how big or small you are. Dude, I mean, it's the democratization of InsureTech. I mean, it's really what it is. It is the democratization of InsureTech. And that to me is an incredibly exciting um, concept. And it's, I mean, you know, just the user experience. And guys, if, if you're, you know, I know some of this that uh, Michael's been talking through, he's been doing visually for me. And we're, we're going to try to get a video out. We've never done video off the podcast before. So we'll try to get that out and maybe put it on. YouTube or whatever, but um, the 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 concept here is that the UX is clean. It's simple. Um, you know, I think that I think the idea is as we as as the as the pace of business starts to pick up, at, and is at a very basic level. And I'm talking to a lot of the agencies, the the main street agencies, the regional agencies that are listening to this in particular, because you know some of these concepts will make immediate sense to some of the larger entities that listen that, that maybe are already having some of these conversations. But if you're sitting here and you're thinking about features, tools, uh, value-added resources that you'd like to deliver either in helping your team do their job or in providing to your customers, um, but you like, like, like Michael's described, you just, you know, it, it's time, it's energy, it's, it's all these logins, it's all these different entities that you have to go in and out of. It's, um, it's just, it's just a lot. It's, it can be overwhelming. Um, what I'm seeing here and, and obviously have understood for a while, just in, in, in going through this with Michael a couple of times and knowing him for a while, this is, this is, this makes it much more accessible. It puts these services at your fingertips and gives you the ability to actually do some of the things that you want to do that maybe fell outside your reach for a long time. And that's incredibly exciting to me. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I really, you know, it, it's hard to like, you know, say something like this and, you know, try to sound 
humble, even though I'm not a particularly humble person. You know, if I'm good at something, I'll tell you I'm good at it. If I suck, you know, I'll tell you I suck. I'm pretty self-aware at this point in my life. But I do genuinely believe uh, this is how it's going to be done. Yeah. Uh, in five years from now, uh, I hope insurance gig is at the forefront of it. Uh, we're, you know, kind of well situated from a timing perspective and a relationship perspective. But there's no going back. You know, after watching TV in 4K, you're not going back to, uh, you know, to black and white. Uh, and this is, it really is a better way. Uh, it wasn't always available. You know, APIs made it available. Uh, the fact, you know, you have cloud-based solutions uh, make it available. And we've just taken a lot of like pre-existing types of technology and put them together for this use case to make procuring InsureTech easier. I say that, you know, very clearly, we, we chose our words uh, very carefully, easier, faster, and we've de-risked it. Uh, and it's working. Uh, we're in our early days. And I have more demand on the buy side and the sell side that we could handle. Like we, we have a waiting list at this point. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to grow this where it becomes incredibly scalable, which is, uh, we'll, we'll leave that for chapter two of the Ryan Hanley podcast, which yeah. is really cool. Um, but one thing I want to mention, uh, I mentioned Shopify before. This is a platform we built for BTIS, who's a huge MGA. Mm -hmm. They've got, I think, 25,000 independent agents that submit to them throughout the course of the year as a wholesaler and as an MGA. Yep. They basically white labeled insurance gigs tech app store to give their 25,000 agents solutions. So, you know, it's not just I have to go to them directly. We have, you know, large influence influencer organizations that are saying this tool could help my agents be better at what they do. So this service lead gents gives great leads to agents. Loeb helps them mail marketing postcards. They could fill out NAICS NCCI through Relativity 6. We've got Broker Buddha that they could pop in, like you mentioned before, like doing a whole form in a PDF. We've got Broker Buddha and their whole library of forms consumable on a one-off basis. Adapt API, these guys pull data off of carrier portals. So keep in mind, Ryan, these are all different systems. So for the first time, I believe we're gonna be able to demonstrate a, a visibility into the flow of data across the entire supply chain from the time the risk has it to the AMS, to the uh, carrier, to the core system, to the portal, to, to a quoting entity, back to us, we're gonna have full visibility. So you talk about data as like you first opened up. Uh, I, I was on a panel uh, at the Vertifor show and some panels, you know, I sit on and I know what I'm talking about when we talk about digital insurance here. I happen to have been on the panel talking about Accord with the former CEO, uh, the chairman of Accord and the board member of Accord. And I was way out of my element, uh, but they're talking about data uh, and agencies. Do you have good data or bad data? What the hell does that mean? You know, it's so subjective, it's so relative. And there is no industry standard, not that that's what we're trying to do of rating data. Like uh, you were just part of an M&A acquisition, right? This firm came in, they evaluated your data. Did they give you a score? Like how good was your data? How do your CSRs, do they verify the data before they put something in? There's no standard. Uh, and the fact that it exists in so many different places, it's been so hard to like, you know, to kind of stack rank uh, the validation of the data uh, across different parties. So 
there's so much room in the world of insurance for opportunity, for improvement. Uh, and we think we're bringing our expertise of streamlining it uh, to play. The feedback that we're getting and the early results we're seeing from our uh, you know, beta customers is really indescribable. Uh, we're geometrically faster. Like I said, they love the fact that they could try things out without the risk. Uh, and we're just onto something I, I really magical. Uh, I, I really do believe that. And yeah, everyone who sees it, uh, you know, I started recording my demos because uh, I couldn't recreate the, the reactions that we were getting from people. That look on their face when it clicks, uh, you know, the, the response, uh, you know, you could fill in the blanks, but like I've heard, you know, a hundred times in the past month, this is bloody genius, but they didn't say bloody. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I, well, you know, I just think about, we struggle. So we use HubSpot for basically agency operations, sales, marketing, all that stuff. And then we currently use now certs basically as a um, system of record for policy sold premium commissions, that kind of stuff. Just keeping, I'm not even talking about data accuracy, just consistency of data across just those two systems, just the making sure the information in HubSpot matches the information in now certs. And even we probably aren't even tracking across those two platforms more than seven to 10 pieces of data. I mean, it's not even like we have 40 pieces of information that need to be consistent between the two. We really just need, you know, effective dates, policy number, carrier, line of business, premium. You know, I think it's, it's maybe seven to 10 pieces of data and just keeping the data consistent, consistent. We're not, not even using the word accuracy, just consistent between the two is a freaking nightmare. And you think about that. Um, now it insert any other systems that you're using, any other places, and just again, not even using the word accurate, just consistent is almost impossible. You're always going to have errors. And if you if you had a uh, 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 a connection tool, uh, a set of um, I don't want to say pipes because I know it's much more than that that could make sure the data was passed consistently between the systems. Once you have consistency, then you can start to think about accuracy. And that's what excites me. It's like consistency first, then accuracy, because if you don't have, if you don't have consistency of data, then there's your accuracy is impossible. There's a zero, there's a 0% chance you could be accurate. So that to me is, is, is another piece that makes this so exciting, dude. I, I'm, I mean, you're the right guy at the right time. I, I think the, the the look, the feel, very important only because it adds to usability. I think it seems like you got that pretty dialed in. Um, if someone's listening to this and they're like, I need to go test it out. I want to get signed up. I want to get either myself or my people starting to see what's possible, what 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 we can do today. Um, obviously, there's so much more coming, but you know, wh where do they go? How do they get signed up? What where do the what's the call to action for for everyone listening at home? So please go to insurance gig, uh, click into the app market, uh, and there's a place to fill out you know, your company info. You could sign up, you could list your service. Uh, it's free, but we currently uh, on May 31st right now, we do have a waiting list, but just get yourself on there uh, and just you know, kind of you know, you know, grab your place in line. Uh, you know, Ryan, going back, just one topic to your last point, just to kind of you know, drive home what I think is the beauty of insurance gig are two things. One is we have a vendor 
Uh, it's called Record Linker. It's uh, created by a guy by the name of Roman Stepanenko, who in my mind is one of the most brilliant insurance data structure minds out there. He's the, one of the founders of Risk Match that sold to Vertifor. Uh, and he has this amazing canonical data structure matching platform where when data is coming in and you write, you know, Trav and Demco, and you, but you need to have it say Travelers Indemnity Company, he could find those discrepancies and actually, you know, kind of cut and replace the mm. data. And the reason why I mentioned that is I have the luxury of being able to say, yeah, we could do that to a thousand different services because I'm not building each of these services. I'm just going out to the best vendors that are out there and saying, just connect to me, become part of our data fabric. And I can now make it available to Ryan Handley and his nice agency. Uh, and you could have access to this enterprise solution that you never would have had before. Yeah. And number two is theoretically, Ryan, if you built that connector between now certs and HubSpot, uh, and we're as an organization, our CRM, we're moving it to HubSpot. Uh, so I'd love to talk about that offline. Yep. But if you built this service and you could expose it as an API, as a microservice, because you're not the only person using HubSpot who's on NowCerts. NowCerts has, I think, 1,300 agencies uh, that are on NowCerts. I promise you 300 of them are using HubSpot. Uh, now, if you built, you spent the time building a connector between NowCerts and HubSpot, expose that on an insurance gig, and you can now have 300 agents. You can make money off of that thing that you spent money building, and you now have a trading relationships with 300 brokers. You've brought value to now certs. Uh, so, you know, uh, I have one of my investors after he heard my whole pitch, which I realize there's a lot going on here. Uh, but his main response was, there are a lot of ways to win here. Uh, and we, we really do think that there are a lot of ways to win. So in that one example that you told me, I had two takeaways there. One is I have an amazing vendor for you that you could use tomorrow. And I recommend that you or anyone else uh, wants to have consistent data, uh, check out Record Linker. Uh, you know, they have a listing on Insurance Gig. Uh, and to your point, sign up for it right there and we'll get noticed. Uh, we'll get notified and we'll contact you immediately. But Ryan, you also could expose the superpower that you created that you spent money on and you can now that to turn that into a revenue stream as well. So yeah. I, dude, I, I, I love it. I think that, um, that the possible, this, this, this is the, this is the, you know, for the individuals who are willing to step out of their business and start to work on it instead of in it, this is the step, this is where their mind should be. And it's, you know, as I've started to, you know, the, the big move, part of the move to SIA for me was exactly that is I'm not adding value writing insurance policies. I'm adding value working on, this kind of stuff and, and high level marketing and, and that kind of stuff. And, um, this, this is where you go. I mean, you could get, I mean, how many companies, and this is the last thing I'll say to be respectful of your time and our audiences is it, how many companies have been severely, uh, um, uh, tied down and, or dashed across the rocks because they tried to do all this shit themselves directly right? The money, the time, the thought, the, the trying to create all these things themselves to be proprietary. I'm doing air quotes. No one can see me. Um, when it's all right here, when you could instead have spent all those brain cycles thinking about what you actually wanted to do and had it in market in days or weeks 
versus months or years and not have the sunk cost of building it all yourself and all the, all the crap that comes along with that. And you could get to the, to the business that you actually do. And that to me, um, I think the ego of we need to build it ourselves. I, I see that not as something that someone should carry as a badge of honor, but rather I see it as a big glaring sign of, you know, of weakness, in my opinion. Now, some people need to build some things themselves that, that I get, but this is a path to sidestep so much of that nonsense, especially for the services that you shouldn't be building yourself. So A, I agree with you. B is, I think as an industry, we're starting to see that change. Uh, C is, I think if you took the staunchest build versus buy person at a carrier, right, which is where I think you see build versus buy more than anyone, they would come to our platform and they saw a hundred services. They themselves would say, yeah, I would build 20% of those, but 80%, it doesn't pay for me to build. And we've got that inventory and we've got that library. Uh, and it, people are starting to come around and, you know, two things happen when you do something once and you fail, you know, do you go try it again? I, I find that, oh, like we got burned once, like on a buying a piece of data, we're never going to do it again. And, and that to me is kind of ludicrous where it's, uh, I, I come from a marketing background as do you, right? Where failing fast is kind of sign of success. Uh, you know, in e-commerce, if you have a 2% conversion rate, you're an absolute rock star. Uh, so insurance has always been, don't fail. Uh, if you're trying 10 things, like you better knock all 10 out of the park. And I want it to be where you could try 10 things and three are going to be killer, but cycle through the other seven bad ones very quickly without a huge capital expense and without a long-term commitment. And, and we provide that platform and mechanism. And it'll take some time for people to really get it and see it, but uh, anyone who's listening, uh, I love nothing more than talking about this and giving demos and reach out. And I'm sure there's one value uh, service that we could bring to you to make your current day better for you or your agency or producers. Uh, and just keep paying attention, please, to what we're doing and uh, be in touch. And because we really do think in our own little kind of spectrum in the industry, uh, we're, we're making a difference. We're seeing it. Michael. You're the man. We're out of here. And thank you. Uh, I, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your sharing access to your audience. Uh, I look forward to doing this and, and collaborating. Let, let's uh, let's figure out how this could be valuable to you and helpful to you. For sure. My mind is spinning as always. Yes. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now listen, I'm an agency owner and I, you know how it is. To, to fix a problem, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com, check out what we do, because we do all those bad things that you can't do, really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. 
But if you can't do any of them good, or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified. Drinks and smoke a joint bubbles? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 